Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Little known fact about my guest today, when he was 19 years old and came to study at AMDA from Mexico City, his home, and now in New York City, one of the first posters he saw was of Fran Drescher, and he thought it was such an amazing sign because growing up, he'd loved the sitcom The Nanny because it was a hilarious show that highlighted Broadway, and he thought, I am meant to be here. Welcome Mauricio Martinez to the podcast. Hey, everyone. My guest today is Mauricio Martinez. Mauricio is a Mexican Emmy-winning award actor and recording artist. He starred as Emilio Estefan in On Your Feet on Broadway and in the world premiere of Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical memoir, Unmasked, at the Paper Mill Playhouse. He can also be seen in NBC Universo's original Emmy-winning TV series, El Vato, on Netflix. On the Mexico City stage, Mauricio starred in Disney's Beauty and the Beast, Saturday Night Fever, The Drowsy Chaperone, Sweet Charity, and the premiere Spanish versions of The Last Five Years, Song from an Unmade Bed, and Arthur Miller's A View from the Bridge, among others. He has released two Latin pop albums available on iTunes, and he is currently working on his first English album with Broadway Records. Welcome Mauricio Martinez to the podcast. Well, thank you, my dear Ilana. What a beautiful introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Well, you, my friend, have done all those things and so much more, and it is so thrilling to get to talk to you today. Now, before we started recording, you said you're in Miami, so tell me a little bit about where you are right now and what you're doing. Yes, well, I'm in Miami. I've been here for a month. Uh, I'm working on a new TV show uh, for the next uh, couple of months, and I'm very excited to be working, very blessed to to have a job right now after um, last year that was uh, rough for for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, very grateful. It's a, it's a great character. It's a great script. And uh, I'm having a, a blast. So can you tell us what the show is? I can't say it yet. Because really? <laughs> but, um, but it's you know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I do know what it is. But it's yeah, I play a, I play a, a bad guy. So it's okay. Fun. It's always fun to play a villain. And um, 
it's fun. It's eight episodes and it's going to be streaming, I think, uh, towards the middle of the year. So it is an English language show or a Spanish language show? Spanish show. Spanish. Okay. So do you at this point, do you prefer one over the other? Are you more comfortable acting in one language over another language? Well, it depends. Uh, I mean, Spanish is my first language, so I um, just don't struggle at all. um, Right. That, but um, I mean, I'm fascinated by by the English language, and I love I love performing in English. Um, like, I actually prefer singing in English uh, for some reason because I that's how I learned to to sing in the first place. Uh huh. So that's why I'm very um, I'm very comfortable doing musicals in English. Very very right. comfortable. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Tell me about how. You, growing up in Mexico City, um, Mm -hmm. became a beloved Broadway performer. Sort of what is the journey? Actually, you may need to correct me. Did you actually grow up from, you know, small boy to teenager in Mexico City? I grew up in Monterrey, which is north of Mexico. I was born and raised there. And uh, growing up, uh, my mom is is a painter. And she loves music and she loves uh, musicals, especially Hollywood films, musicals. So she would play me movies as I was growing up. Um, I was always very um, interested in, in music and television and all that. But she would play me movies like Grease, The Sound of Music, Hello, Dolly. And I would just like be amazed at what I was watching on screen. And all I wanted to do was be John Travolta in Greece. Like I wanted to be that. Right. And I was four, five. Um, so, and growing up, there was, there was a Spanish pop group doing Greece, the show, uh, the theater version. So in Spanish. So, and it's one of the most uh, produced shows in Mexico, Greece. Uh, it's called Vaselina. So I grew up watching both and I couldn't understand why, I was watching a pop group doing the same story as Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta. English in a movie. I was watching right. on stage with a pop group doing it in Spanish. So I knew all the songs and I learned. And then uh, I, the same, same with music. When I turn on like MTV or VH1, I would watch Gloria Estefan or Julio Iglesias singing in English. And then my mom would play the same songs of the same artists in Spanish. So I was always exposed to to both languages, to arts in the in in both languages, both in English and Spanish. So um, that's how I became fascinated with with um, the arts, specifically movie musicals. And then a little bit later, I found out that the, most of those movie musicals that my mom used to play for me uh, and keep me entertained came from the theater. And that that theater uh, was in a place called Broadway and that Broadway was in New York. And, right. and that's when I realized like, oh, I want to be there. Like I want to, I want to go to New York. So when I turned 18, I started uh, looking for schools to audition. And I came across uh, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy, AMDA. And I applied. The, the internet was literally just starting. So right. I, like I send them an email, they send me the brochure. I got really excited when I got the brochure at home. And I, I remember um, just looking at the pages and I was like looking at Central Park and people outside the theater district. And I was like, I want to be there. And I had never been to New York. I had just seen New York in the movies. Okay. 
So um, yeah, that's that's when I realized that I needed to be there. And um, they asked me for an audition piece of song and a, and a monologue. And of course, me being the theater nerd that I am, I I had a genius struck. I, I thought I I said, wouldn't it be great to do Romeo's death scene? from Romeo and Juliet, and immediately after stabbing myself with a dagger, stand up and sing, Maria. Because <laughs> I was like, they're going to know that I know that it's this role, you know? Like, right, right. <laughs> so that's going to like give me points, I, th- I thought to myself. And um, it was cute. I was 18, and I got accepted, just mm-hmm. like, like Billy Elliot back in the day. I, I got the, the letter, and... I opened the letter and they offered me a full scholarship. So I moved at the age of 19, I moved to New York City to to study and, and become an actor. And I've, I've never looked back. Uh, I was there um, for three amazing years training and then my visa ran out. So I had to return to Mexico and I started doing musicals in Mexico. And that's when I I really started um, creating a, a, an amazing resume. I was very blessed to to have the opportunity of doing so many different shows that I, I probably wouldn't have had the chance to do so many different roles on Broadway if I were an American actor, uh, just because the way theater works in Mexico, like theaters, uh, shows don't last as long. They, they bring like the international tour in Spanish in a way, and they just stay there for a year. Uh, and that's the most that they can stay and they can run. So that gave me a chance to like every year I would be uh, starring as Tony Manero. And then I was the beast. And then I was Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ superstar. And like within four years, I had already done uh, four leads in, in, in four huge uh, Broadway musicals. So um, that was, that was a blessing because my, my repertoire just like um, grew so, so fast and so quickly and, 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 and very, very diverse. So, so that was beautiful. Tell me, tell me, I mean, there is, I have so many questions for you now, just hearing, you know, that, that small chapter of your life story. So number one, are you learning English every day in school as you grow up? Yes, I was learning English. I went to a private school. I was fortunate enough that my parents worked very hard and, um, put me and my three siblings in a, in a private school. So I, I was studying English ever since I was four. Okay. Um, so and I, are you doing, I mean, your voice is remarkable. Are you singing all through your growing up? Are you doing school plays? Are you starting a band? Like, how are you growing your own singing love of singing not just watching but doing it yourself like how is that happening it was very interesting because I didn't know that I had a voice until later on like I was a kid maybe eight or nine but I was very mm-hmm. shy and um I was terrible at math and my math teacher heard me singing one day um imagine uh the the, the song John Lennon and uh she heard me sing and she said you have a beautiful voice I'll never forget that Miss Tamara is her name and uh, I was not doing well in math, but she, she knew that I, like, I wanted to sing, but that I was shy. And yeah. she literally said, if you sing the song for me, maybe you'll pass. <laughs> 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 uh, and I just blushed and I said, 
um, okay. So I stood up and sang, imagine, at like, I was, I was about 10. I must have been 10 or 11. In front of the whole class. In front of the whole class. Oh, that my was, God. I'm dying for you. <laughs> so I can feel my heart beating. Yeah, it was, it was very uh, nerve-wracking, to say the least. And yeah. It was the first time that I knew that, and everybody cheered, and everybody was impressed, like the whole mm. class. Yeah. I, was, I was sort of like the school clown in a way because I was very, I was sort of uh, funny and I, I, I got along with everyone, um, but they never really knew that I had a talent singing. Uh, all I did was like act and like do, play like l little characters here and there, but never sing. And after that, the way that the whole school saw me just changed and that they, they knew that I, I was a singer. And so after that, I started um competing in in the singing festivals every year and uh i i started winning them and, and then we did musicals and that's when i did greece uh, and i played danny for the first time right and um yeah i just saw myself doing it and i, I took it very seriously like i knew back then and there that i wanted to do this for the for the rest of my life and i knew because i had I had used my voice to to get a, a better grade and pass a subject. I I realized that my voice could be also like um, uh, it could get me things, and I was mm -hmm. like, wow, this is this can be very powerful if I treat it well because this is this is a, a a gift. Yeah. And I started studying. Um, my parents. At first, didn't really wanted me to to do this. They were like, ah, maybe you should be in the family business. My family uh, had a tiring a tire store and um, a print shop, and they wanted me to be in the business. But uh, I, very young age, I said, no, I really want to do this. Um, so I would work in the summer just to pay my my voice lessons when I was 13, 14. and I started vocalizing and and training my voice. And but then, of course, as a boy, you go through that awful period of time where it's like two years where your voice changes and you start cracking and you can't really your voice is changing from a boy into a man. And it's a it's a it's a very depressing two or three years where you can't really, really sing. And that right. that's when I decided to act. Right. And I started because I couldn't sing. So at the age of like 14, 15, I started writing my own plays. And get I, I had a group of friends who um, were also into theater, and there's this uh, like sort of like what what in America you have the Christmas Carol and Scrooge and that story. Yeah. In Mexico, being such a religious country, very Catholic, Christian, we have a, uh, a tradition which is called La Pastorela. Pastorela is um, like the shepherds, and it's a story of shepherds who are on their way to visit baby Jesus as soon as they're born. But always in, throughout their journey, they are, there's devils and angels fighting and uh, like a distraction, um, mm -hmm. tempting them. The devils are tempting them to like lose their way so they don't reach Jesus. And the angels are there to like save the day. And it's, it's a Mexican tradition and it's always a play that is done all over Mexico dur uh, during Christmas time. So at the age of 15, I started writing my own pastorelas. And of course, I turned them into a musical. Uh, so I, I would write songs with friends and we had a band. 
And uh, yeah, that's how it all started. So by the age of 15, 16, I was really, really, really into it. And I, I knew that I, I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. And then my voice, of course, changed. And, and, and yeah. And it came back. It, it came, came back, back. In, a, in a way that works really it, well. Yeah, it came, it came <laughs> back. And I, I, remembered, um, I remembered what I had learned about breathing and uh, all the imagery. I had a wonderful voice teacher, uh, Eduardo Buenrostro, who was my first ever voice teacher. And I would do a lot of breathing exercises. And, and I, would, I would listen to singers that I admired, Barbra Streisand being one of them, for example. Uh, I would remember, and there's a Mexican recording artist who passed away recently, and his name is Jose Jose, and he's a crooner. He was a crooner, but he had a beautiful velvety uh, voice, and very much like Streisand, he would like just stretch those notes mm -hmm. in a beautiful way that so melodic that I um, sort of like Barbara's recordings every now and then, the, the the early years where you go, where when did she breathe? Like, mm -hmm. so I fell in love with that type of singing um, and that type of voice and using your voice to tell stories, not, not just sing for, for the sake of singing, but sing to tell a story. That's, that's when I realized, wow, this is a very powerful, um, a, a powerful gift. And of course, being Mexican, I grew up with both cultures and Latin pop is very melodramatic. Those singers... Mm -hmm growing up in the 80s are very over the top and the songs are a soap opera after a soap opera. They're so dramatic and intense. So I grew up with that as well, uh, watching telenovelas and, and all that. So I had, I think I had the best of both worlds uh, and I grew up with that. Um, when I watched movies like uh, La Bamba, remember La Bamba? Of course. I could totally relate because I was like, I may not be Mexican American like like the, the the guys in the character in the movie, but but I can relate because I'm from Mexico. But I'm I was very American too. I, I had mm -hmm. a passion for for the United States for for the entertainment world of the U.S. Broadway, Hollywood, music. I really really looked up to that, and and it it helped me uh, dream in a way. Um, Did you watch the Tony Awards growing up? Was that something that you were aware of? I wasn't aware until I really fell in love with Broadway in my teenage years. And that's when it, it clicked. And I was already mm -hmm. doing it. It must have been 15 or 16. I must have been 15 or 16 when I saw my first Tony Awards uh, on video. And I, I couldn't believe what I was watching because I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> There's awards like I was like <laughs> awards like the Oscars because of course I would watch the Oscars, right. and the Grammys. Like ever since I was seven or six, I would dress yeah. up, ask my friends to come over. I would like have always a night, or my family, and I would like wear a tux sometimes. And I I knew every single movie and director. There I was like at eight or nine, and oh I, my God. I also had a huge crush on um, Kim Basinger when she did Batman, right. Batman. That day, so when uh, when Batman uh, was nominated and Prince was singing, I was like, "Wow, this, this, this my my worlds are are like meeting." And all the the people that I see in MTV, like Madonna singing, remember when she was singing the Dick Tracy song? Yeah, um, yeah. Like those are my two worlds coming together, and I, I was I was fascinated fascinated by that. Um, right. So, so there was for Broadway, I just lost it. <laughs> totally, totally. You mentioned, by the way, I'm laughing because 
two things that seem so disconnected to me are tires and printing. So I just want to go back to that for one second and just understand. Like, I need four new tires and here's a pamphlet for my, like, what's happening? Just explain those two businesses and how they connect. Well, my family, I mean, my grandfather, my dad's uh, father had a very, uh, very popular a bookshop that oh. he turned into a stationery store and slash bookstore bookshop and then a print shop and so they he would print his own books that he would sell on his bookshop wow and then he also had a stationery store so it was like an empire back in the 40s 50s 60s and almost 70s and wow. then he sold it and okay. my oldest uh, uncle, who sadly just passed away la- last year, but um, my my dad's older brother, oldest brother, created with the same name um, uh, a, a franchise for Goodyear, the, the 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 tire company. The tires, yeah. So in the in the state of of Nuevo León, which is where Monterrey is, my hometown, um, he owned a couple of tiring companies like uh, tire shops and right it started growing and growing and growing and that's when I was around 14 15 and I needed to work in the summer or spring break I would work in my uncle's company and uh, but he didn't have any uh, sons so he was sort of trying to uh, convince me to take over but I I, I didn't want to do it right you were being groomed. By- I very, yeah, I was being groomed to take yeah. over. And I was like, no, I want to I do something else with my life. <laughs> and when you would work there in the summer, were you working in the office part or were you working on the cars themselves? I did both. I did both. I know how to change a tire like uh, backwards and like... <laughs> blindfolded. Yeah, blindfolded. I, I, I both. And I also learned in the print shop, I learned how to cut paper, how to count paper, Whatever I have, like when they give me a script, like papers or whatever, and I'm fixing, um, organizing paper, people that are around me always go, wow, why are you moving paper like that? And I always go, well, my family has um, a print shop. Deep roots. Deep roots. (laughs) Isn't it fascinating the way these things intersect in your life in all these subtle ways? and, And it sounds like first and foremost, just an appreciation of course. for what, you know, like for what goes into that paper you're holding in your hand and well, sort of all of it. I'm like waiting at an audition in New York to go audition for, let's say, a Broadway show. And I, you get all the sheet music and sometimes you have it in a book or they, they just give it to you. And like, you have to deal with all this paper all of a sudden. And uh, all of a sudden, those those um, tools that I learned uh, at a young age come to life and help me in my in my profession now and I like just for a second and I go oh wow if I hadn't worked at that age in the print shop and had that background I wouldn't be able to maneuver the the sheet music like I do in a way like right right yeah right little things like that yeah or have a connection to holding the paper in your hand that's really visceral in that way were your you know you described your your family a little bit obviously now the businesses they were in um, and their uh, understandable um, concern about a child going into the entertainment business. Yes. Um, how did you convince them 
to let you go to New York, a place you'd never been before um, to study? Well, my brother came with me to my audition um, because they wouldn't, obviously I was 18 and they wouldn't let me uh, travel on my own, but uh, and I, but I, oh, so you didn't audition with a video. You you well, came I, to New York. I flew to New York. Okay, tell us about that trip. I flew to New York. I was it was nerve wracking, and um, I was it was in the middle of the summer. It was June, but of course I was in an airplane. I, I remember in American Airlines, and it was freezing because it was a it was a late flight. We flew in like at eight p.m. And it, right. I remember the flight was freezing. So I had a scarf on and a hat. And I was like, I looked like the guy, the, the little boy in the Christmas story. Yeah. Well, all bundled up in, in the middle of June. But I had the most important audition of my life the next day. So Yeah. And I, you have to keep your, you cannot get a cold. You cannot get sick. And Maria is not an easy song to sing. <laughs> exactly. Wait, how much older, how old was your brother? My brother seven years older. Okay. So my brother was- 24 at the time and like have you arranged to stay in a hotel are there relatives here like you get like where were you even going to stay and who arranges all that and this is why my my brother helped me uh and we arranged we booked two nights at the ameritania hotel in 54th street on 54th street Uh, which you will never forget which is literally like up on the same block as 54 below and it's literally a block away from my home oh wow where I currently live now as an adult in New York. Yeah, so crazy. every day of my life, I walk by there. And it's mm-hmm. and That I'm, is amazing. It is amazing. And I, I, uh, I'll never forget that I got off of the cab. Um, we, we landed in JFK and then we got into a cab. And it was, this was 1997. Mm-hmm. And we, we made it to, to 54th Street. And um, I guess it's Broadway. Yeah, it's Broadway. And... Um, I could not believe it. Miss Saigon was still was playing at the Broadway Theater, which is right there. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, CVS. Uh, there was. I remember there was um, like a caricature of Fran Drescher. <laughs> and of course, I was obsessed with the nanny back then because it was yes. the only show that talked about Broadway, and I just like loved that show. And right. she was obsessed with Barbara Streisand, and so was I. So I, I like I I I, I thought. Um, Nana, Nana, fine. Because I saw it in Spanish, by the way. Right. Uh, we're like the same person. I was like, we're the same. We're the same person. <laughs> so I'll never forget that feeling. I, I just um, being eighteen and getting out of, off of the cab and just seeing New York for the first time and walking to to Times Square for the first time and just knowing that I was there to audition to for a school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was the first time that I felt. Um, that's when I saw, that's why when I saw down the road, I saw Billy Elliot, the musical, and they asked mm-hmm. the main character what they, what he feels like. And he says electricity and he sings a song about that. That is so spot on. Like that is, that is, I mean, you know, you know what it feels like. That is exactly how I felt that just yeah. electricity inside my, my body. And I, I just felt that I, I belong there. And wow. Wow. I went to bed, of course, and then the next day I woke up very early. I ironed my shirt, and I took a shower, and I got ready and got my sheet music. And um, I, I took a cab, and I uh, Amda was still at the Ansonia, which is a, such a beautiful building. Yeah, on the Upper West Side, a landmark, yeah. historically beautiful building, yeah. 
And I was there and I was waiting. And to this day, the girl that was sitting right next to me, who's a dear, dear friend to this day, uh, she's all, also been on Broadway. She's a mother now. We're, we're still friends to this day. And she made it. I made it. We were both selected. And uh, it was a great class. Uh, another friend, um, Peppermint, who's now uh, very famous after she appeared in RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. And, uh, and in... Um... Uh, the Broadway musical, the... Yeah, uh, what was the show that... Yes. Yes. Uh, God, I can't remember the name. Me neither, and she was incredible. Um, she made history. Um, being the shoot. first dance uh, lead in a Broadway show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know, I can picture her so perfectly, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry I'm spacing out on the name right now. So... Peppermint, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Forgive us, Peppermint. Yeah, so so we became a family right then and there. And I remember um, um, those were some of the best years of my life, uh, 18, 19, 20, moving to New York, living in New York, in the Upper West Side, studying performing arts. Uh, I felt like the kids in the movie Fame. Like I, I literally, and being from another country, um, there was not, I, I remember it was a time where there were no Mexicans on Broadway. The Salma Hayek had just literally moved to LA and started doing a movie here and there and started, right. started to become like the first main Mexican superstar. So it was like, um, it was not like today, like uh, Hamilton had not happened, In the Heights had not happened. Right. Uh, like it was a very different time. And I remember going to Broadway shows, looking for playbills and looking for in the cast. I remember in the who's who section, Looking for Latinos, and it was right. hard. it was right. hard to find Latinos there back in. By the way, Peppermint was in Head Over Heels. That was the name of the Go Go's yes. um, musical. <laughs> I I I wouldn't be able to sleep tonight if we couldn't <laughs> give her her proper her proper due. Um, well, wait. When you came for the audition, you were only here for a couple of days. So, were you able to see a Broadway show your first trip here? Yes, and that's another magical story. Uh, I saw. Yes, my my brother said. Choose one, because of course I was tied in money and I had like, I was on a budget. Yeah. He said, and you had spent all that money on taxis to get everything. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't know the subway. I, I didn't ride the subway. I didn't know. Like, I thought, you know, of course. Of I course. had seen ghosts and I thought that the ghost would appear and like try to kill me or something. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I knew about New York. But um, so uh, it was Beauty and the Beast. Um, at the Palace Theater for the first time. Of course, I knew it by heart because I had the I had the CD back home, and I, I had watched the film over and over again. So um, that was the first Broadway show I ever saw. And ten a, a year later, when I was studying at AMDA already, that was the first job I ever had, being um, a merchandise seller at the at the Palace Theater. And it was my job to bring in the cart with like the stuffed little mugs and the pencils and all that right? Um, before the first act would finish. So every night I got the chance to see uh, the Beast sing If I Can't Love Her, which is one of my, my favorite songs uh, of all time. And um, this was 1999, so I was studying already. And I was working on the song with my teacher so every time in musical theater class, so every every night I would see what the beast did, and then the next day I would come to class and say, 
to my teacher, oh, the bees did this and this and this, and I would work on the song. Wow, yeah. Years later, when I was 29, I was back in Mexico City. I got cast as the Beast in the Mexican production of Beauty and the Beast. That is so full circle and incredible. Right? That must have been when you found out you got that part. What an emotional... I mean, it's always amazing to get a part, but that must have been pretty incredible. It was full circle moment. And of course, the the castle, like it was the same castle because the Broadway production closed and it was transferred to Mexico City. So I literally was on the same castle as as the beast on Broadway. Like wow. it was wow. very magical uh, to yeah. me. It ran for a whole year and I, I sent the picture when I was dressed for the first time and I was in the balcony. Uh, I, I sent the picture to my teacher and I said, uh, I made it, you know? And yeah. And uh, to this day, we're still very good friends. My teacher, Elaine Petrikov, she's a, a dear, dear, dear friend. And I wow. love her. And, so uh, how do you, so it seems like you go to New York and then when you're done, it seems kind of perfect. You then go back to your hometown, as it were, yeah. and get to star in in what is the equivalent of Broadway in Mexico yeah. City. Um, do you need an agent to do that? Or do you just audition, you know, the way we would start out here with backstage? Was there some equivalent in Mexico well, City? Or how did you get all those jobs? No, it's different. It, it's now it's starting to change. Oh, uh, right now, it's it's it started to change. But it's it's very different because uh, in Mexico, they're not used to uh, dealing with agents. Uh, right. The producers uh, are used to dealing with the actor themselves. So, okay. So we we learn how to negotiate for like on our own, and it's it's a it's a whole different ballgame as as over here on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really there's literally literally only two or three big shows a year, so you find out about the the auditions on the paper, but the regular paper, like the okay, the the, the, the there's like an open call, but if you happen to be like famous or on TV, like you you can get called directly by the casting director and said they will uh, and be asked to to right. uh, and that's how it works and did you start getting television work in in mexico uh pretty quickly once you start doing these musicals or is that an, another journey that happens later well, it was another journey because i started backwards because i i have a before beauty and the beast i had starred in saturday night fever uh also as as tony manero but I have another magical story because being in New York, I saw backstage uh, the the big announcement of the Tony Manero that were bringing in from London, and of course it was one of my favorite movies, and I wanted to be Travolta, so I auditioned at nineteen. But it was rush hour uh, on the subway. I, I'll never forget it. And I somebody pushed me, and I, I fell on the ground on the station. So. Oh my God. I hurt my ankle, so by the time, and of course it was a dance bill, dance bill, uh, dance call first. Right. So I couldn't do a turn or a chaine or anything, and I was I was really in pain. So of course they cut me, and I I wasn't let, uh, I wasn't you I was go cut. Forward. Yeah. Yeah, I was depressed. So I was like, ah, oh, if only they could hear me sing and watch me act, and I know the part, la la la. So I went back home depressed and whatever, and years later. I was working, I worked for Princess Cruces for, for a year. I did some shows there um, after I graduated AMDA. And the director of the shows on board was the assistant director of Saturday Night Fever on Broadway and the West End. And watching me work, it came from her. One day she said, 
you know, you would be perfect for Saturday Night Fever. And I told her, I know, you cut me. <laughs> and she she didn't remember, of course. And I said, oh, of course you don't remember. But I, I remember. You're, you're the tall British lady um, who, who cut who me. Who cut me. <laughs> <laughs> and we became friends. And she said, well, uh, Maurizio, she, she called me Maurizio. Uh, she said, well, you know, they're opening um, the show. We're opening the, the show in Calm, Germany. Um, would you be interested in auditioning? And I said, yeah, of course. But I mean, do, I don't speak German. And she's like, no, they, they would teach you phonetically, but the songs are in English and I think you'd be perfect. So I was flown in. I left, I was let uh, off the ship for a, a week. They flew in a different singer for a whole week. And I went to New York, auditioned, made it to the very, very end, was cast as the understudy of the lead. And I called my mom to tell her the news. And that's when she said that my dad had been diagnosed with terminal cancer and had only six months to live. And I had been away from Mexico for five years now. Yeah. So I said, no, I I have to go back to Mexico and be with my dad. So I said, Saturday Night Fever, uh, it's not going to happen for me. So I I thanked them and I, I didn't do it. And I went to Mexico. My dad... Pass, passed away, and then I auditioned for uh, the Mexican version of American Idol, which is called uh, Operación Triunfo. It's a Spanish franchise. And I, I am selected. At the same time, I was selected as Angel Ross in the Mexican production of Les Mis, but I decided to go to the TV because yeah. I needed to get a name for myself. And this, these shows were very exciting, and they, it was the first edition, and it was 2002. I was 24 and I said, yeah, I'm going to do this. Um, so I did it and I was third place. I was in the show for four months. And the day after the show ends, the, the show's producer calls me on the phone and says, I have a theater producer here. He has been dying for you to finish the show because he wants to cast you as the lead in a Broadway musical. And you're perfect for the part because they can't find a guy who dances, acts and sings um, and they need, they just, I was blonde because everybody wanted to be Ricky Martin back then. And I, I was, <laughs> okay. I, was blonde. I had yes. highlights. Um, it was like living La Vida Loca era. So everybody yeah. thought, we all, we all thought we were Ricky Martin. Uh, <laughs> but the said, he said, but would you be, would you be interested in uh, dyeing your hair black? And I'm like, wait a minute, what, what show are you talking about? And he said, Saturday Night Fever. And I said, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so I, I told them, well, I have to audition. I mean, they, they have to see me because I really wanted them to see me. Just yeah. never got, I never got the chance to prove it, you know? So I, I knew the choreography by heart all those years. I still had it in, my, in me. So I, I went to the audition and I and sang and I danced and, and I was cast right then and there. And so I opened the show. The, the premier Spanish version of Saturday Night Fever as the lead. And that was my big, uh, right after the TV show, that was my first lead in Mexico. And it was a big hit. We won all the awards. And it, it really placed me in a, very, um, in a very beautiful place in Mexico. And I was seen um, as somebody who did theater, not, not, just, right. a TV, not just a TV singer. And, and right. that's why I, they knew that I had studied in New York and they knew my story and that they, they knew that I loved the craft that I, I, I wasn't in this just to be, I didn't want fame or like mm. 
you know, I, I was not like, I treated the, the Mexican Idol thing as, as a gig, not, not like a life-changing experience, you know? But it was. I mean, those yeah. shows, as we know, are just, they just put you in front of so many people so yes. quickly and they get so invested in you. It's like you're their guy. You know, yes. they're voting for you every week. And I'm sure they came to see that show. I mean, what's amazing is a lot of people probably came to see theater because they saw you on television. Right. You know, right. It, it sort of brings a whole new crowd of people to see live theater, which is incredible. That's the the great part of it. Um, I have to ask you, you made your Broadway debut in yes. On Your Feet. Um, how did you... Were you in New York or Mexico City at the time that that was, role was being cast? I was in Mexico City. This was years, years after Beauty and the Beast. And this was 2016. Uh, a friend of mine who's a Mexican composer living in New York, Jaime Lozano, he's a wonderful composer. And we have been dying to work together. And he wrote a part for me in a musical called Children of Salt, which he had been working on for nine years since he graduated mm -hmm. from NYU. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, he offered me the role. He said, I really want you to come do it. Uh, it was selected for Nymph. I didn't know what Nymph was. And he explained it right, to me. Right, right. And I said, well, I mean, I would love to come to New York. Uh, I had already uh, be back. I was back because I was flown in to audition for Evita to be Ricky's understudy, literally. And it was very, very close to me and the guy who actually got it. Mm. And the reason I didn't get it, because I didn't have a, a work visa. Right. So, I told him, yeah, but Jaime, I don't have a work visa. Uh, he said, no, it's a festival, so you would just have to like donate your time, and I'll we'll talk to the festivals. And that's I didn't know that that could happen at NIMS. Right, but so they arranged the paperwork for you to be able to right. come. Yeah, so I did that, and sitting in the audience of that show, which is a beautiful show, we're actually working on turning it into a movie now. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. show that, that I love, Children of Salt. But in sitting in the audience was the casting director for On Your Feet, and. Uh, Literally, the show was over, and he waited for me, and he said, um, "You're, I think you're perfect for the role of Emilio in On Your Feet. Would you be interested in auditioning? The, the, the guy who originated the role is leaving, and I, I, I really need you to audition if you're interested. I didn't, even show the I didn't even know the show existed. Like, I was mm. so disconnected from Broadway and everything. And I, right. I, well, you flew uh, in to do this musical workshop, and, and you were focused yeah. on that, it sounds like. Exactly, completely. And um, so Although I, I think it's funny that you didn't, just because of your, I mean, because it's a musical focused on Spanish-speaking stars right. um, or, or Latino stars, but it just, why do you think it wasn't on your radar? Do you, think was, God, do you think God didn't want it to be so you could go get it and like, like so. what do you think? Because I, I was not, I was just not... Um, it was not in my radar for some reason. I, yeah. I, I don't have an answer. It's it's yeah. and it's amazing to me because other like the Mauricio in his twenties would totally have that and other shows. In yeah, and be obsessed with it, right? Like yeah. who? Yeah, I was so focused on learning my part and being good at this show, and I was I was working on that show, and I didn't have a distraction. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't have distractions, and I was rehearsing from ten a.m. to seven p.m. And then we, I went home and like, just like, I was not watching theater. I was focused. I only had two weeks to rehearse and then right. a week. I got it. Right. I think it's, I think it had to happen exactly this way. 
And they gave me a ticket, and I'll never forget. I I, came, I went to see it at the Marquee Theater, and that's when I first saw the show. And um, now she's a dear friend of mine. We we I mean we start opposite each other, and right. I, she just blew me away because she did such a beautiful job as, as Gloria. And I said, I want to be in this show. Like this is this is perfect because it's. I felt like the the show was written for me in a way. I was like, this is the story of all of us, and mm. and, and Gloria and Emilio. So the next day. I had the audition and um, the uh, casting director said, says, just so you know, in the room are uh, Sergio Trujillo, Alex Dinolaris, and um, Jerry Mitchell. So my brain immediately went, um, Olivier, Academy Award, Tony. Uh, and he said, <laughs> oh, and by the way, there's Gloria and Emilio too. And I, I was like, no pressure, right? <laughs> okay. So I, I met them right then and there, and uh, I was so nervous because it was a big deal. And I, I said, I'm auditioning to be this man who is an icon and who is the like Emilio Stefan for for Latin artists. He's God, you know. He's everything. And I was so nervous, and I had to do a song where uh, I was singing to Gloria, and I said. Well, what the hell? I'm. I mean, I have her right here. Like, might as well just look at her in the eye, and sing, sing, sing to her and seduce her because you're playing. You're gonna audition to play her husband, so make her fall in love with you. <laughs> uh, and I just did that, and um, she then told me that she told him that this is the guy. Like, I wanted you from the. I wanted you from that moment, and yeah. so I was. I was cast. And that was my Broadway debut, and and uh, yeah, I got to play the the part uh, for almost three months on Broadway, and then I was offered the tour, which is how I got my green card. Right. I got the I got the beautiful opportunity to tour with this show uh, for a year, and at, at a time where I think this country needed that message um, about immigrants. Um, and the American dream and following your dreams and, and being proud of your heritage and your roots and, and the, the, the immigrant story, you know, uh, is very important to me because it's, that's who I am. And, right. and I got the beautiful chance to, to work with them and be very close to them because they were very hands-on. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I had opening nights in, at the Kennedy center in Chicago and uh, in Washington, I did, and then we did Chicago and then we did, the Pantages in LA and every time they would come and it was, it was crazy. It was a wonderful experience. It was like having Broadway openings every month or so. It was, <laughs> right. it was amazing. Amazing. With and Emilio, Steph Estefan exactly. joining you. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Would they come on stage and would people just go nuts on those they, openings? Like just lost it. people, when Gloria, when people knew that Gloria and Emilio were there, yeah, people just lost it. It turned into yeah. it was amazing, amazing, amazing. And to this day, I mean, I'm I'm having dinner with them this Saturday. I mean, they 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 became mentors and and family because um, wow. they're beautiful people. And wow, and having having the honor to play someone that is still alive and that becomes your friend and your mentor at the same time you're playing him uh, is is pretty amazing. Uh, and get get getting the chance to still perfect it because it's not as in a film or in a TV show where you shoot it and it's done. In the the beauty of theater is that it, you can always. The more I got to know him, 
the more mannerisms I would put in the show, the, the way he speaks. I saw him be a father. I saw him be a husband. I saw him be a boss, uh, an impresario in his um, restaurants uh, or the owner. And then seeing him in the studio, uh, like just working and recording um, with Il Volo, the Italian group, and just seeing him as a producer and then seeing him as, as, as just a Cuban uh, having a good time in Miami, driving around and showing me the city. Like I really, really got to see a lot of him. And for the first, the first day I said, just don't be scared. because I'm going to be like staring at you. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, like, uh, and he's very funny and he talks so fast. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I just uh, try to try to honor that in a very respectful and beautiful way. And, and he's such a comedian, a natural comedian, that the role, I don't know if you saw the, the show, but the role is so, it's beautiful. It's, uh, it's like the cherry on the top, that role. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful role. Well, let me ask you, because there's such a rare, you know, many couples in the in the world of entertainment, be it film or television or theater or music, uh, most marriages don't make it. It's right. just, I mean, listen, 50% of marriages don't make it anyway, even if you're not in the public eye. Um, in being around them so much, do you have anything that you've noticed that you're like, I think this couple has been able to stay together and navigate real life stuff and fame and fortune because? Well, I think I think they're still madly in love with each other. That's the beauty. Like you see it in their eyes, how yeah. how he looks at her when she's on stage or talking, and how when you're when you're having a dinner with them and and he's sharing an anecdote and the way she just drools, she's drooling watching at her husband, and they treat right. each other like boyfriend and girlfriend, and right, and that's that's a beautiful beautiful thing to witness, and also how humble they are, like you know these. These are not just stars, the global superstars. They're icons, you know. They yeah, no, they, these are living legends. Living legends who, but I've been fortunate enough to be in uh, such different settings with them. Like I was literally at the at the Library of Congress with them, uh, with uh, um, Sonia Sotomayor and like the Washington World, and how they treat the, that world is exactly how they treat fans outside of Broadway theater or fans outside. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, their restaurant in Miami, you know, in in, in Miami Beach. Uh, everybody comes and say hi, and they they always have time. They make time. They smile. They're humble. They 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 make you feel like family, um, and that's very rare. Yeah, very very rare, very rare. And um, yeah, I think that's that's the secret. I think um, you know, it's beautiful to to witness. Well, I just um, have loved every moment. Uh, I feel like we've only scratched the surface on your life story. I hope you will come back again because there's so much more that you've done, so much more that you will do. I really want to encourage everybody listening to find Mauricio's music anywhere you listen and download music. Um, and I and I love the people at Broadway Records, and I love that you're you're continuing to make pop stuff and Broadway and bringing that to our ears. We're so happy. But before I let you go, is there a little known fact about you that you can share? A little known fact mm-hmm. about myself. 
Yes, uh, Mr. Martinez. I have uh, five tattoos. Oh, but these are five little-known facts. But five very small tattoos. <laughs> like how small? Though I mean, three are like very, very small because they were. Um, I'm also a cancer survivor, uh, a four-time bladder cancer survivor, and yes. so to get um, to get the radiotherapy the very first time that I got it, they you need to be tattooed in order for the machine to find the location of your body. So I have on my left and my right hip, literally like a little mole, like a little dot. Mm -hmm. And in my uh, pubic section, another one. So those were the first three tattoos that I ever got, which are like little, little tiny, but they're there forever. Yes. As a beautiful reminder that I'm, I'm a survivor. But then I, I, I did get drunk in Puerto Vallarta and I come <laughs> Of course, um, a music note uh, on also um, right by my hip. It's like the bone that's under, like on your hip. Mm -hmm. And I have another um, another initial on in my back. So, and is that initial uh, private? Why it's that initial? When I became uh, a survivor, cancer survivor too, I decided to put uh, an E of eternal. Mm. And it's there. That's incredible. Um, is that still a big part of your life in terms of follow-up appointments and medicine? Yes. And is that just a constant? Yes, because um, I've had three recurrences. Uh, I was actually on tour uh, with On Your Feet, and I, I, had, I was diagnosed with cancer for the fourth time. So I had to leave the show for a couple of months and then come back. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I do have my checkup every six months. Yeah. I have a wonderful doctor uh, in New York and I have another great doctor in Mexico City. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm healthy and alive. And I think every time, I always say that it's like the Wizard of Oz, you know, like I, like when the movie started in, in black and white and all of a sudden there's a big thunderstorm, whatever, and, and then you open the door. And everything's in color, you know, yeah. and that's, I think that's how I see life now. I'm, I'm very intense. I'm very passionate, of course, not only because I'm a Latino and Mexican and I did telenovelas for so long and I, I'm an artist, but I, I also feel that the experiences of surviving cancer so many times uh, have made me into a more passionate uh, performer uh, and, and human being just in life. You know, I, I love discussing life. I love long conversations, passionate conversations about politics, about the environment, about life, about music, about fashion, about um, cinema, about theater. Like I, I, I do open a bottle of wine every now and then with a, a friend or two. And I, I stay up until three, four five in the morning, just talking about life, you know, and right. I love that, that I think that's, that's, um, and I didn't do that before. I think surviving has literally um, changed the way I view life. So I try to enjoy it now and uh, enjoy it as much as I can. And I, I, I can be very childish sometimes too, but I think it's part of it because I, I think life should be enjoy, like enjoyed. And um, I get paid to do what I love. And that's a blessing. And I live in the best city in the world that I've always wanted to live in. Mm -hmm. I've literally made my dreams come true 
not one, not two, not three, many, many times. Right. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, that's made me definitely a, a more conscious person, but, but definitely very, very passionate. What do your friends call you when you said earlier, you know, she calls me Mauricio, your, yeah. your te- what, what do most people who, who get to call you friend, what do you go by with them? How do you introduce Ma- yourself? Mao. They call me Mao. Okay. Um, can I call you Mao? Of course. Of course. Mao, thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending this time with me and my listeners. We are so lucky to live on this planet with you and look forward to see all the beautiful work and art that you continue to put out in the world. And thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much. And I hope we get to do it again soon. Yes, I can't wait. Thank you. A-OK. Hey guys, one more thing. Have you been considering contributing to the podcast? Well, I for one would be so grateful if you enjoyed this episode or all the hundreds of episodes I've made in the past and all the episodes that are coming to you in the future and want to donate a little something, just head over to littleknownfactspodcast.com slash donations. It couldn't be easier to do. No donation too small. Every donation just filled with gratitude from me. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Until next week. The talent coordinator for this episode is John Zaytoon. The episode was edited by Nicholas Klar. We recorded in New York City. And the Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded by Georgia Famusa with backups by Caleb Famusa.